Welcome to the NM Talks Healthcare Podcast. On this podcast, you'll find thought-provoking insight into critical topics surrounding the healthcare industry. Each episode features Nelson Mullins healthcare attorneys and special guests who offer a variety of experience in healthcare. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the NM Talks Healthcare Podcast. My name is Carrie Hanger, and I am joined by Denise Gunter in today's discussion of antitrust guardrails and considerations for hospital mergers and acquisitions. In today's antitrust environment, it may seem like it's almost impossible to proceed with a hospital murder acquisition just because of the emphasis that you hear in the news um, that's coming out of the FTC about the Biden administration's concern for antitrust enforcement and to prevent anti-competitive activity. What would your recommendation be to hospitals and health systems and other healthcare providers who are contemplating a merger or another transaction? Well, I think that's a great question. And I think that um, as most of our listeners know, uh, there has been a uh, stepped up antitrust enforcement in the Biden administration with some different uh, or unusual positions being taken that hadn't been articulated before. Um, But what I would say fundamentally is that it doesn't mean that deals can't be done or that they shouldn't be done. My overarching view of the situation is that uh, clients need to be uh, what I would describe as antitrust aware and practice vigilance around antitrust. And in this podcast, we'll talk about some of the things that um, our listeners can do uh, as they work through transactions to potentially reduce antitrust risks. But I don't think that uh, the uh, government stepped up antitrust enforcement should be taken as a signal that feels that are not in uh, hospitals' best interest to do because they'll enable them to better serve their patients shouldn't be done. Uh, Rather, deals will continue to be done, but hospitals need to be aware and practice some of the techniques that we're going to talk about in this podcast about how to reduce potential risk. And when you're saying that deals will be done, Denise, um, what is the primary concern for parties who are looking at doing some kind of transaction, is it that they their deal will not go through or just that it's going to be a lot more difficult? Uh, all of the above, <laughs> probably. Um, you know, for many parties, uh, they'll need to file uh, what is called Hart Scott Regino pre-merger notification, which is the process that uh, mergers and acquisitions and joint ventures of certain sizes must go through by filing paperwork with the government ahead of time to uh, notify them of the transaction and provide certain information. So that's one consideration. Um, another consideration 
consideration, regardless of whether uh, you have to file Hart Scott Rodino for a transaction, is whether you may be crossing any boundaries in terms of uh, impermissible agreements. Let's say we're talking about an acquisition, uh, but early on, let's assume hypothetically, uh, buyer starts telling seller uh, how to run its business, uh, or they reach agreements on prices or agreements not to hire each other's employees. They haven't merged. Perhaps they're having productive discussions in that direction, but they haven't consummated their deal. Potentially, they are crossing the line under Sherman Act Section 1, which deals with agreements that unreasonably restrain trade. So, those are a few things that come up. Another one that uh, very often comes up is whether a uh, possible transaction is going to lead to too much consolidation in the marketplace. Are we talking about a very local market, as uh, many hospital markets are, or are we talking about a much larger uh, area from which patients are pulled? Um, and it can vary from transaction to transaction, but market concentration is going to be a key issue with um, government regulators typically taking the position that uh, these are very small markets when all is said and done. So looking at what parties can do to position themselves and any potential consolidation or other transaction they have in mind, um, to have the best chance of not attracting government attention, or if it does attract some attention, being able to ultimately close the deal. What would you recommend um, first for parties in terms of looking at how to mitigate risk when structuring their transaction? Yeah, that is also a great question. And among the things that um, I would recommend, and typically one of the very first things I tell clients who are contemplating uh, a transaction is to be hyper aware about documents that are being created. Those can be documents the parties themselves are creating, or if they've involved external advisors, documents that uh, those professionals may be creating. And it can take any form, frankly. It can be uh, you know, very elaborate PowerPoint slide decks. It could be Slack messages. It can be text messages. It can be almost anything. Email is probably uh, where we see you know, the lion's share of attention uh, in most transactions. And so what we recommend to clients is being aware that any and all of those documents are potentially going to be seen by someone else. And uh, that applies regardless of whether a transaction goes through the Hart Scott Rodino process. They most certainly will see many things in a Hart Scott Rodino process. But even if one uh, is not required to make a filing, the government has the ability to investigate uh, anytime, anywhere. And so we have to take a holistic approach when it comes to documents and make sure that we're thinking through. We can't have anything in documents that, you know, I would probably describe as the obvious 
missteps where you're talking about, you know, a potential that you're going to take over or control a market or that you're going to raise prices um, or you're just going to end competition with someone else. Uh, those are the sorts of things that can very often um, cause problems for people. How they describe the markets that they operate in is another area where we see uh, missteps made from time to time where sellers perhaps view their market, their position in a market as much greater than it really is in reality. Uh, they may make the market sound smaller and their own role in that market is much larger. That's the sort of thing that the government um, could very easily focus upon in, uh, in investigation. And so we always counsel clients to be very careful about how they describe themselves and what their position is in the market. Um, you know, the, uh, the basic rule of thumb is if it, uh, if you will, is that less is more. Uh, we typically would prefer to see fewer rather than more documents. We realize, of course, that that's not realistic, that there will not be any documents. Indeed, there needs to be uh, some, because how does one explain to one's board why a transaction is being done unless there's some analysis behind it? Of course, there will be documents, but in an ideal situation, uh, we will, we as counsel uh, will be involved very early in the process, helping people think through uh, what the documents will say, how they'll be presented, and, you know, quite frankly, when they'll be created. Uh, sometimes people will get very uh, elaborate plans in place even before they've had any, you know, real substantive discussions with a potential partner. And so that's where you can get a bit ahead of yourself. And so we try when we can to get in early and emphasize certain key messages so that people don't inadvertently um, cause a problem with documentation. So, Denise, along with being vigilant and conservative in the creation of documents and, and having an awareness of what should go in a document and what is better left not being put down in writing and also, you know, being careful not to go ahead and start integrating rather than integration planning, as you mentioned earlier, is another recommendation you would have in terms of picking a transaction partner, um, you have to do with the location of the partners. Do you find that when looking at a transaction partner, to the extent it makes sense for the parties that there's a better likelihood of passing through with um, less scrutiny if the transaction partners are farther apart? Well, that may be true in some situations where distance is a, a helpful thing, um, as opposed to, let's say, a hypothetical county that only has two hospitals in it and choosing uh, that other hospital in the county in, with which to partner. Uh, might it be uh, better from an antitrust perspective to seek someone who is farther away? I'd say in the general sense, probably so, although, you know, the government can certainly take a view that um, transactions across markets can uh, potentially lead to concerns. Um, 
So geography can be, I think, a, a helpful thing. But what I also emphasize with clients is they need to think of the market as not just let's again go back to the hypothetical of the two hospitals in the same county. The market is not just that county. I'll suspect that in this hypothetical, uh, those hospitals may be seeing a, a significant amount of outmigration to uh, more distant hospitals. Perhaps they're smaller rural hospitals that don't offer every possible service or perhaps um, they are not uh, attracting as many uh, residents as possible and residents are, are just traveling to more distant locations. That market, in my perspective, would be, you know, not just that county, it would be much broader. And so a way that uh, potential transaction partners can uh, help themselves is thinking about the market as not just us and them in whatever county we happen to be talking about, but it's a much broader base because we're losing patients to, say, a hospital 75 or 100 miles away. So that hospital is um, really, really the competition in that scenario. And Denise, in that scenario, are, do you find that with specialized services, you know, you have there's a broader geographic market than with just run of the mill going to the ED. That can also be true uh, because only certain hospitals will have the uh, technology and the staff to be able to do certain very high uh, level advanced procedures um, that really require uh, repeated performance in order to be done very well. Uh, that can be the case, although we do see situations where even in you know more localized, more routine types of things, um, some of the smaller hospitals very often in uh, less populated areas may be losing patients even for more routine things to hospitals in uh, you know bigger cities, frankly. Uh, that may be as a result of, of uh, lack of awareness in communities about what their own hospitals can do and aggressive uh, marketing from some of the larger hospitals in the smaller communities. So what would your suggestions be to healthcare systems that are looking at potentially um, trying to shop themselves out to be acquired or that are looking for merger partners? So I think, you know, among the things that are important and, and potentially useful in the antitrust analysis, a clear articulation of the why uh, a transaction needs to be done. First and foremost, it's gotta be a patient-driven reason why this needs to be done. Uh, are we losing patients to uh, more distant providers? Are we not able to attract the uh, physicians that we wish we could to be able to serve our community as best we can? So thinking through first and foremost and making and having a consistent messaging again in documents, uh, while I always say less is more here, there is going to have to be some documentation. And so articulating that case 
the why uh, and making a consistent message, a patient-focused, consistent message, I think is really, really key. Um, you know, and I, while uh, trying to, uh, you know, increase revenue, there's nothing wrong about trying to increase revenue because everybody, even if they're not for profit, if they don't have uh, the revenue to support it, there is they're not able to execute on their mission. So there's nothing wrong with that. But to make that be a leading message, um, that is the sort of thing that you know I think the government could seize upon as a reason not to allow a transaction to proceed. So you have to balance out those messages. So along with you know. Focusing on the pro-competitive benefits of the transaction, and in particular the benefits for patients, and giving, you know, fully vetting the geography and the specialized services, and thinking about the documents created. What are some process-based guidelines that you would give to parties that are engaged in due diligence for a possible hospital merger? Or consolidation. Sure. In many of these uh, deals, there will be extensive due diligence, and hospitals, of course, are very data intensive uh, environments. And so it's very reasonable to expect that there'll be detailed due diligence going on. First and foremost, um, the standard process would be to get a non-disclosure agreement in place as soon as uh, any, uh, right before, frankly, any discussions of substance are had. That should be, you know, thing number one on the list is to make sure that you have a good NDA in place. Uh, but then as you move forward in the process, uh, again, with the idea of being antitrust aware and uh, making sure that uh, folks aren't making mistakes early on in the process, you have to think through what's being produced, when, and to whom. It's not always necessary or advisable, particularly in the early stages of the transaction, to have highly confidential, sensitive information like detailed strategic plans, um, you know, be handed over to uh, someone at the um, uh, other party to the transaction who herself is directly responsible for strategic planning at that hospital. There may be a time where that's advisable, but think through, do we need to share this information now? If we do need to share it, would it be best to share it through a third party? Do we need to have what we call a clean team where only certain people are allowed to see certain things? They're typically not the people who are directing the strategic planning or the financial aspects of the running of the hospital. Should the data that's being shared be aggregated in some fashion so that the details are not uh, revealed? Um, you know, so those are all process points that we think through and we help our, cl our clients manage uh, appropriately so that the transaction proceeds in as antitrust a compliant manner as we possibly can make it. And in the same vein, Denise, we talked briefly earlier about not integrating prior to actual closing, but what are your big tips for parties to a transaction when they may have signed or they may be getting close to signing, but closing is later and they're trying to prepare 
for closing so that they're ready, you know, upon closing to integrate. But what should they do before closing? And what can they do before closing to to plan without running afoul of the antitrust laws? Sure. Um, you know, again, in the realities of a transaction and the planning for a transaction, it's not like a light switch that it's you're going to sign a document and then the next day you're going to be merged and the uh, uh, mer merging entity is now going to be fully integrated and all will be well. It doesn't work like that. It takes months and months of planning, particularly around IT, HR, um, and all manner of things have to be done. And certain information is, I would say, uh, you know, relatively benign as far as antitrust uh, is concerned. You know, for example, on the IT front, again, with hospitals being so data intensive and uh, uh, electronic medical records being so fundamental to how they do their business now. Um, integration around IT is going to be very important. Uh, HR is going to be very important. Um, I guess the rule, one rule of thumb is that as much planning as one can do around those things, we can't have it so tightly wound that it could not be unwound before uh, we actually have consummated the transaction, if that if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. Thank you very much. I believe we're almost out of time. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, if you had one take home message for listeners today, what would that be? My one take home message is uh, hire uh, very experienced antitrust counsel uh, as you are embarking on a transaction. Uh, that uh, investment, I think, will be uh, very worthwhile. Ultimately, you may not need that person or that team every day, but engaging with those uh, trusted professionals early in the process I think we'll pay dividends in the end in helping to troubleshoot and manage and hopefully avoiding uh, situations that are very hard to course correct later on. Thank you. And thank you for joining us in this discussion of antitrust considerations and guardrails in hospital mergers and acquisitions. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode of NM Talks Healthcare.